Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, what's going on, guys? It's Ryder Cup week. I hope you get your alarm clock set if you're here in the U.S. like I am. Uh, ready to watch early morning coverage. Was at 1.30 Eastern where they're going to be uh, coverage starting up. Get ready for the first tee on Friday. All those great traditions. I was lucky to be out at Whistling Straits a couple years ago, so fortunate to, to cover that one. But I'm not there this year in Rome, but one of the real fun weeks of the year. I have Tom Lehman here, who is, of course, a three-time player in the Ryder Cup for the U.S. team. He was a captain in 06 when he was up against Ian Woosnam. The Europeans won that year by a very big margin. It was at 18.5 to 9.5, something like that. But anyway, Lehman gets some some really good stories here about past Ryder Cups that he played in. He actually had the chance to play against Seve Ballesteros, the heart and soul of Team Europe, the spirit behind uh, what they've become today. Uh, he played against him in 1995. Seve's very last singles match in the Ryder Cup. Tom Lehman played him. He beat him. So we talk about what that memory was like, what what comes to mind from that day at Oak Hill in 1995. And then also he was first out, if you remember, in 1999 at Brookline. Remember the miracle? No, miracle, right? Miracle Medina. But the huge comeback at Brookline for the U.S. team. Justin Leonard in the winning putt. He talks about watching Leonard and that putt live, how, how cool that was, but also just going out first and getting that first point on the board, beating Lee Westwood and getting a pep talk from Captain Ben Crenshaw in that morning on Sunday when he was stretching, uh, saying, that, hey, man, you're the strongest guy I know. That's the reason why you're out there. I just I love some of this fun insight. From Tom Lehman. So a lot of good Ryder Cup stories here from Tom. And also thoughts on the Open Championship, right? He won in 1996 at Royal Lytham St. Anne's. So a little trip down memory lane. What are some big memories from his career over the years and, and kind of like what shaped who he is today? Of course, a prolific winner on the Champions Tour after his big career on the PGA Tour. So I'll get into a lot of stuff here with Tom Lehman. This is from Richmond, Virginia, 2021 Dominion Energy Charity Classic. On the driving range, so you hear some balls being hit in the in the distance chatting. I did have a couple microphones going at the time, and I kind of switched between my backup and my main mic because I, I am standing with Tom. <laughs> had a, a cable that was pulled out of my microphone. I had just my notebook, everything. Just imagine a lot going on. So uh, there is a little bit of audio issue at the beginning, maybe the first 5, 10 seconds here, but it clears up. And then at the very end, we do have a backup recording, uh, probably the last minute or so uh, of this 25-minute chat with with Tom Lehman. Hope you guys enjoy it. It's Tom Lehman here on Beyond the Clubhouse. All right, here with Tom Lehman, five-time PGA Tour winner, 12-time winner on the PGA Tour Champions. And Tom, I've got to ask you to starting off, like if you could go back and talk to your rookie self, hmm. what would you tell your rookie self? Oh, wow, that's a really great question. I've never been asked that before. Um, you know, the thing that really changes, and that can only be earned, you know, you can only get that kind of belief by just getting out and grinding it out and, and earning 
um, that kind of belief in yourself. So um, I guess the advice I would give my rookie year, Tom Lehman, is uh, just don't give up. You know, just keep on fighting. And you know, that's kind of what I did. I don't think there was any shortcuts I could have taken. Um, so, um, you know, the, my career kind of went the way it should have gone. You know, I needed to find a way to, to learn how to believe, and, and that's what all those years on the mini tours taught me. Right, so a lot of experience now here at the age of 62, looking, mm -hmm. looking back. But, but what are you most proud of when you look back on your career now? You know, I think the one thing that I achieved that I'm most proud of was being ranked number one in the world. I think the, um, you, know, it, you know, the rankings have changed some, you know, since then, but they've always been a real barometer of who are the best players. Uh, so to get to the number one position, um, you know, it was a, quite a fulfillment of a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of hard work, a lot of people who believed in me, a lot of um, expectations, a lot of goal setting, um, a lot of mental toughness. You know, so I think uh, if there's any one quality and trait that uh, I feel like you, you, you develop by having to, to fight for, you know, your way up is that you get to be pretty tough mentally, pretty strong mentally. And, and uh, I think uh, that's a testimony, I think, to me, that number one ranking is a testimony to that kind of mental strength. Yeah, mental strength is a huge part of this game. When you look back and, and think about a couple of mulligans that you might be able to use in your career, where would you place them here? Hmm. Mulligans. Well, I think uh, one mulligan would be congressional. A congressional U.S. Open. 97, 97. Yeah. People always point to the 17th hole. Uh, you know, but the 17th hole was kind of set up by making a bogey on 16. Uh, bogey on 16 was, was completely a result of, of playing so well and hitting it so well that I aimed right at a pin that was way in the back right corner with not much room for air and, and missed by just a fraction and ended up making a bogey, which put me behind. Um, you know, so if I could get one mulligan, it would be that second shot on 16 where I, you know, played it a little more conservatively, you know, make sure that I can walk away with par at worst, you know, still keep myself in the game. And, um, you know, U.S. Opens punish, punish you if you're just a little bit off. And, uh, and so that would really kind of went against my um, game plan, you know, to not get too overly aggressive and, um, you know, but I did. I, so if I could, you know, hit that seven iron on 16 over again, uh, I think I would hit that shot because I don't think I would hit it in the water on 17 if I hit a good shot on 16. Mm. Well, you're being such a big U.S. Open player, 95 through 97 happening in the 54-hole lead going into those Sundays. You know that type of competition. When you watch on TV now, mm -hmm. the U.S. Open, how, what do you think of the way it's played now? Mm. Well, I mean, it's a different style. I mean, the, the issue back then was almost entirely, you know, how well can you uh, putt and how well can you drive it? You know, the, the high, rough, narrow fairways. It was a great test of driving the ball, and um, you know it's not quite as big a test today um, as it was back then. So, uh, yeah, I look at those things. I was tied for the lead, I think, you know, three times. And uh, one thing I would say is I played a lot of good golf, you know, with the lead. I, you know, felt like I played extremely well at Oakland Hills and didn't win. I thought I played extremely well at Congressional and didn't win. Um, I didn't play as well at. Uh, Olympic, you know, but I wasn't leading. I was three behind Payne Stewart going into Sunday there. Uh, I thought I played pretty well at uh, at Shinnecock, you know, tie for the lead with uh, playing with Norman on Sunday and, and uh, you know, really hit some great shots there that day that just were, again, just lacking just a fraction, in it, which cost me a couple shots, a couple three shots. So, um, you know, I look at all those thinking like, you know, I played really well under a lot of pressure. 
you know, I would say shot good scores, you know, when you're shooting 71s, 72s on this with the lead on Sunday, especially courses set up like that, you have to feel pretty good about those. Um, but it wasn't quite good enough to win, so that's always a always been a, a frustration. Mm. Well, there's a player who is you called an influential player, sorely missed, mm -hmm. Seve Ballesteros. You played him in singles in 95, his very last Ryder Cup match as a player, mm -hmm. and you beat him. You, what, what's a favorite memory that comes from you with Seve? Um, you mean you're talking about from that match or just in Either general? Either from that match or in general because you respect oh, him so gosh, much. You know what? Um, you know, he was always very gracious and encouraging to me, which I appreciated. Um, uh, I remember when I lost the Masters, I was, you know, had a chance to win against Olathabal and, you know, hit a one iron off the 18th tee to try to put it in position in front of the bunkers, and I hit it so solid that I went through into the bunker and, uh, you know, ended up losing, you know, and he came up after that the next week, you know, saying, look, you need, a, you need to take the bull by the horns and hit driver there. Next time you're in a position, you know, you know, you need, to, you need to hit a driver and just, you know, let her rip, you know. If it goes in the bunker, it goes in the bunker. You know, be aggressive, be more aggressive, you know. Don't be quite so strategic. You know, and I really appreciated that advice, you know. He, he, he didn't have to say anything, uh, but he, he did, you know. And, and I think that's part of the reason why I liked him so much is I admired him so much as a player, uh, respected him so much as a player, and appreciated, you know, through the years how he was always – um, kind to me, encouraging, um, took an interest in me. So, you know, it was really nice. Uh, after I played him in singles uh, at Oakland Hills, knowing that he was, you know, nowhere near the Seve of old, I mean, he was driving the ball so poorly. Uh, short game still was remarkable, but, uh, you know, it was so out of position so often. I ended up writing a, a column for this magazine. I used to write a column for every every month or two. and. It was the greatest, the greatest round of golf I've ever seen, you know, or something to that effect. You know, it was Seve's front nine that day at Oakland Hills, at, at Oak Hill. Um, as I tell people, if, if I would have played myself from where Seve drove it, I would have beat myself 10 and 8. Um, I, I would have won every hole against me driving it where he drove it. Um, but he actually made a match of it, you know, until about number 12. I mean, he was only one down through like 10 holes. And, um, you know, to... to Stay in that match the way he did uh, was just remarkable, you know, a testament to his, his skill around the greens and, you know, his courage as a player. I just, uh, you know, he was truly one of a kind and, and obviously wish, you know, I'm sure everybody does, that he were still here um, showing people what he can do. Yeah, it's been 10 years since he passed on. Hard to believe. Mm -hmm. um, he was a big part of the Open Championship history. You as well, 96 winning at St. Anne's. It's been called the best walk in golf. Walking down 18 mm -hmm. with the win. What did that feel like as a, as a guy that's about to win the Clara you know, Jug? I'll tell you a quick story. It kind of says it all. There's um, a policeman who was assigned to me uh, at Lytham that year. I think I was ranked number two in the world going into the tournament. You know, I had been playing extremely well, almost won the U.S. Open. So he was you know, kind of my security guy, this big dude. And um, so everywhere that I had to go that week, he kind of led the way. So from Monday all the way through Sunday, he was my guy. Uh, Kevin, I think it's Kevin, I think Boyle was his name, I believe, but Kevin for sure. Anyway, so on 18, the second shot is on the green. I've got a two shot lead. And, you know, so basically I've got the tournament in my pocket and, you know, the crowd all runs forward. You know, so there's a sea of people you got to fight your way through to get to the green. I mean, it must be 50 people deep. I mean, and, and so he got in front of me and kind of reached behind me and grabbed my shirt and he was pulling me while he kind of just would sweep people to the side, you know. And so he kind of pulled me through the crowd. And once we got 
through the crowd right in front of the 18th green and there's the ball there's the green the people are cheering he puts his arm around me and says i tom we've been through a lot of shit together but now you're on your own and he kind of pushed me up towards the green right and you know that's my my fondest memory of of, of competing that week is that moment um, a lot of great shots you know a lot of good things happened you know winning the claret jug obviously was super special but when i think of one moment um that was the moment it's like uh you know, he didn't really know how true that was. And even though it was, you know, for me, it was, you know, years and years of going through a lot of crap and fighting yeah. your way, you know. So I spent that week with him and fought through all the crap and uh, won the tournament. And it was kind of a, okay, that was a, a nice moment. Yeah. And three years later, you're part of that comeback from 10-6 Ryder Cup team, uh, Ben Crenshaw's team. What was that like um, going out first? I mean, that's a huge honor. Yeah. Yeah, it was nerve-wracking for sure. I was nervous about being the first guy out. Uh, but, you know, I think people who are kind of natural leaders, I mean, everybody has leadership skills in some way and some more than others. Um, but, you know, the, the leader is that person who kind of instills confidence in the people around them. And uh, so I remember clearly that Sunday morning, you know, being first out, I was, you know, as nervous as in the locker room stretching. You know, I was on my back and they were, you know, stretching the hamstrings and all whatever, all the stuff you do. and. He walked up to me, he put his hand right on my chest, just like that, right for, over my heart. And he says, do you know why I put you out first today? I said, I have no idea. Why? He goes, because you're the strongest man that I know. Wow. Okay. And, uh, and then he walked away. Okay, well, look, at he has no idea. I mean, he does now because I've let him know, but he had no idea at the time how much that meant to me. Mm. I believed I was strong, you know, but I was nervous, you know, and when he said, you know, I could have put anybody out there. You're the strongest guy that I know. Well, it, you look at Tigers on the team, you know, so in retrospect, you know, maybe he wasn't being totally truthful, <laughs> you know, but Trying to make you feel good but, but he wanted me to know that he had faith in me. He believed in my mental toughness. You know, it takes a strong person mentally to deal with that kind of pressure when you're down for first guy out. You absolutely have to get that point. So, you know, that was a huge compliment, and he made me feel um, he empowered me by saying that you know so when I think about that day you know it starts with that and then I went out and just played flawless golf and, and uh, you know Westwood was had played every match he was tired he didn't play poorly but I played great I mean I hit every fairway every green yeah, and 16, uh, all 16. and uh, you know I was under par I'm not sure how far under par three under par four whatever it might have been I was I played extremely well never gave him a chance to breathe he won one hole the birdie on, on 14 uh, with a long putt, you know, otherwise I had a putt to win the match five and four. And Anyway, um, you know, it was, um, the comeback was, uh, I tell people, the, imagine a Sunday at Augusta, but in match play in a Ryder Cup, because that's the way the, the roars were echoing through the trees. It was very similar in feel to a Masters, you know, with, with all the, because you can tell, you know, what the, what the roar meant, you know, and it was just, you know, a big roar there and a big roar there, and it was the whole golf course was just full of these huge roars and so it was obvious that the americans were having a great day and then you look at the board and it's you know four up four up five up five up three up six up four up three i mean it was just like it was not just a the americans winning it was the americans routing them you know that was a thing that they are just we are routing them it was just it was just an onslaught and, and the players could feel it and the, and the 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 crowd was behind it and it was like this incredible momentum 
you know, so the 17th hole when Justin made that putt, I mean, the, this uh, outpouring of emotion, it was almost impossible to contain because this the, the entire day was no just, was just yeah, just like building, 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 building to the point where you get to that point where, hey, if this, then we win. You know, so when he made that putt, I, I, I don't think anybody for a second thought that Jose Maria was going to make his putt right on top of it. He had almost the same putt, slightly shorter. Um, you know, we're thinking, this is over. You know, this is over. I mean, that putt goes in, it's over. We win. Uh, well, oh, wait, wait, wait. You know what? Actually, he does have a putt to tie the hole, and, and, you know, so it's not quite over yet. You know, but, but that kind of emotion, you know, brought about by the whole day, you know. So, like, again, I say if you can imagine Augusta on Sunday only being a Ryder Cup, that's how it felt. Mm. In the last three minutes, I want to wrap up with a 06 Ryder Cup question about you as captain, and then I'll quick rapid fire. Mm-hmm. Um, as captain, how do you look back on it now? Any regrets mm-hmm. at all from 06? Um, no, you th- I think re- regrets, no. Um, I don't know that we quite got the the point thing right going into the Ryder Cup. I remember early on uh, saying, hey, we've got a problem, you know, that uh, you know we only give points for top tens, you know, but yet every week, you know, there's anywhere from, you know, two to eight you know, foreign players in the top 10, so we're not giving out anywhere near all the points. We're leaving so many points on the table. We should be giving points to the top 10 Americans every week, not the top 10 in the tournament. You know, just if you want to get the top 10 Americans, we need to give out all top 10 points every week. And, well, we, you know, we already started the, you know, you know back and forth, back and forth. And so I do feel like we didn't quite get the point thing right. Um, you know, but I think in terms of the actual competition, um, you know, you, like I could have sat this guy, you know, for a match or that guy for a match or played him in one match more, or that guy one match more, but like we lost by like nine points, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So, so I think what I took away from, what I personally took away from that Ryder Cup was that, you know, 13 matches went to the 18th hole and, and the U.S. did not win a single one of them. Mm-hmm. So the individual matches were actually quite close. Yeah. But they won every close match. They won every one or retied them. They never lost one. They got a half a point or a full point on every close match, 13 of them. Um, so the, um, you know, so there's a reason for that. You know, it doesn't happen by accident. You know, so it actually it caused me to kind of think about, you know, why is that? What, what is it about? What did I see which led to that? And it became really clear to me that um, the European team played way more aggressively towards the pins. I mean, they didn't care where the pin was. They, they aimed at the pin no matter where it was. And, and if they hit it in the water, so what? You know, it's only one hole. You know, whereas the American team was playing it like a stroke play event where we were playing away from the trouble, hitting good shots 20 feet to the safe side and then two-putting. And they were hitting right at it and either, for the most part, hitting it inside of 15 feet, inside of 10 feet, and, and making putts. You know, so, you know, as we went forward sharing with other captains, that was that was my always my message to them is you know find a way you know especially a home team to 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 encourage your guys to play more aggressively because that's the way they play Um, so anyway that that was uh, that was my takeaway from being the captain was just witnessing watching you know the different style of play and how much more aggressively the europeans played yeah and then just wrapping up rapid fire uh last time you hit a shank last week week. (laughs) how would you rate your career out of 10 um depends on how you quantify it. It depends on the on the uh the filter you use. 
you know, I would say in some ways it was 10. In some ways it was maybe an 8. But I think it was very good. Uh, In some ways it was great. Favorite app on your phone at the moment? The favorite app? Yes. (laughs) It's easier to say least favorite. Um, All the social media is my least favorite. So, you know, I'll leave that alone. But um, favorite app would be probably... Probably the ESPN app. Yeah, good, good sports coverage. Um, if you add a course to the Rota, which one and why? Mm. You got Dornock, you got some other yeah, good ones. I know, I know, I know. It's um, Which one and why? Well, you know what? Um, I don't know it fits the bill, but if they could if, if they could find ways to lengthen some tees, Sunningdale would be a great open golf course. I mean, I know it's not a Lynx course, but it is one of their great courses. It's yeah. one of my favorites. Do pros hit it too far these days? Um, I don't think that's a, a question that's even worth discussing, simply because they hit it very far and there's no turning back. You know, so the question more becomes how do you how do you deal with with the length? And uh, I think that's a bigger question is how do you deal with those PGA Tour pros that hit it so far? How do you protect the integrity of the golf course without making it Mickey Mouse? I think that's the real question. It's a surprising thing people may not know about you, a hobby. Um, Look, I'm a very emotional guy, so I think people are always surprised when they know that early on I had really had to fight a bad temper, terrible temper. You know, I'd get so upset with myself and so angry at, and frustrated when I didn't uh, perform well. And, and uh, you know, I think people are always shocked to know that that's been a, you know, uh, something that I had to work hard to control. What sports were you good at as a kid? Uh, what other sports? You know, I played football. I played basketball. I played baseball. played golf. Um, and I think I was good at all those. I mean, not great, but good. Um, but I was uh, always, always... Um, at golf, I seemingly like I was always kind of at the top. You know, no matter what level I end up playing, I, I was found a way to rise to the top. Your dream four ball, if you put it together. Again, that's um, you know, there's there's theme, there's theme groups, and so like you'd love to, I'd love to have my dad back and you know play my dad and my two sons and I. That would be probably number one. Um, beyond that, um, Byron Nelson, Ben Hogan, Arnold Palmer, and myself. That'd be another one. You know, beyond that, you know, someone like, you know, Billy Graham and, and you know, pick a couple more, you know, spiritual giants, you know, play with them, you know. So there's all kinds of different groups. But, um, you know, I, I think ultimately um, if I could play a fivesome, I'd have my dad, I'd have Billy Graham, and I'd have my two boys. All right, my thanks again to Tom Lane for jumping on the podcast. Again, that was in Richmond, Virginia at the Dominion Energy Charity Classic, uh, Country Club of Virginia. Well, I, I really liked what he had to say. I, I liked uh, the content there, talking about Seve Ballesteros. And, and it was really cool to hear him say that Seve encouraged him after his close call at the Masters when well, Ola Thobble won there. And they sought him out, and, and, and it meant something to him. We hear about Seve being like the American 
heartbreaker, right? But but there was a softer side to Seve as well and, and just kind of giving him advice. Hey, hit driver next time. Go for it. Take the bull by the horns. Let's do this. And, and so I, I think it was really cool to hear that as well. Uh, beating Seve in 95, that's that's a huge win for any player, any American to be able to say, hey, I, I beat Seve in his very last singles match at Oak Hill. And obviously, in the end, the Europeans would, would win, but that was a huge late in the day victory for Lehman to stop Seve from putting a point on the board. I thought that was big. And and the story that came from that, of course, 99 going out first. I love the, the, the story there with Captain Ben Crenshaw saying that, hey, man, you're the strongest guy I know. Well, yeah, Tiger was on the team. So how truthful is that? But still, a good laugh from, from Lehman. Instilled in confidence, that comment, did, I guess it it, did, it served its purpose. So anyway, hope you guys enjoyed the Ryder Cup this week. A lot of fun um, storylines to follow and who might win. But I thought this was a good podcast to drop this week. And also, subscribe if you like this content, if you like uh, what, what you're getting from these interviews. Hope you get a chance to subscribe, and uh, we'll catch up soon here on Beyond the Clubhouse.